and we'll hope everything goes okay. It's bound to go okay. I mean, what oh, we hope so. They go wrong. And, and, um... Famous last words. Uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> good. I mean, we have. I was saying that I was so. Wait, in fact, good evening, everybody. I think if yeah. your things are going ding, so that means that we are live. It's amazing um, how many notifications I get on my phone when we go live. It's like, hey, uh, are you sure you want to do this? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. It happened while I was out on vacation um, because we had scheduled that oh, uh, yes. EHF coverage to go out. And I was like, oh, what is what? What? What is? Oh, 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 that's right. That's right. You know, it took me a minute to go. You know, oh, OK. OK. <laughs> what have I not okay. done? <laughs> it's like, uh, who, who has the keys to the account? Um, <laughs> yes. Who's driving the bus? Um, Did we get uh, hacked, or is this, that this just... evening has been a, a frantic evening? Because I've been out today, um, a meeting of our local engineering forum, um, of which I hadn't been. I was meant to give a um, a lecture um, a couple of months ago. That's about where I got COVID. Um, right, and, right, right. And see, I, I had to sleep in this room I'm in now. Uh, well, I was meant to be in the next sort of town over giving a lecture on human factors and human factors in engineering. And I had to cancel because I had COVID. Um, and so this was the first real meeting I'd had with them since I'd had that. And then I've also now been made president elect because they were trying to, I think, um, they were trying to encourage me to become the next chairman of, of the group for next year. Um, mm. You know, I was like, um, I'm really sorry, but I, I, I can't. I've got, I've, I've got a note from my chartered institute people that says that i've got to be um 100 focused on them for at least 12 to 18 months like, okay. well there's always years in the future right well I, I i pulled a blinder tonight because we went along and they were looking for um somebody to current uh, the current vice chair had, uh, had to step down so somebody else had to come in and, and, and step in so the, you know that awkward bit where you look around the room going right so who would like to step up to Who's be vice gonna chair? do this yeah, yeah. Because whoever is vice chair is then chair the following year, right? Because it's a step up. So um, I, because both me and me and Amanda, my wife, we both go, we we both sit sit on this committee now. And um, anyway, this other gentleman stood basically uh, was encouraged to do it, so he's doing that. And then uh, but, oh, we should really think about the following year as well, so we've got good transition. And, um, and they all turned around and said, "Oh, Barry, you could do it." I said, "Unfortunately, I will still be in my um, past president year." Um, I will no doubt be hugely busy. I've heard that it's not that busy, but anyway, I'll be very busy. But Amanda would love to do it, wouldn't you, Amanda? If looks could kill. Um, anyway, she's now she's going to be the vice president next year, <laughs> and she and president and president the year there after. You go. Year after. I, I'm I'm so sleeping on the sofa tonight. <laughs> oh boy. I, I think she was. It's one of these things that she's. Uh, I think she'll be quite nervous about, but actually, she's very very competent. So. Um, so Barry, um, just so you're aware, uh, I've made an editorial decision with the show notes. Um, I have elected to put the experiments out of the blurb and in their own section. We can talk about them, uh, and that way we can kind of keep the blurb a little shorter. Uh, and you know, we we talk about sort of the observations made from those experiments, but then we can yeah, talk okay. about. I think that'll that'll shorten it up quite significantly, and then, um, uh, yeah, I think that's that's good. And we can talk about the experiments here. 
tonight, everyone, we're talking about AI ethical decisions. Uh, are we are we ready as a society for AI to make those ethical decisions for us? Um, no. <laughs> that was the shortest podcast ever. Yeah. Um, All right. That, yeah. See you next week for uh, another episode of uh, One Answer Podcast. Uh, that would be a, that'd be a <laughs> funny. It's, it's, we've taken Human Factors Minute to a whole new level. Human Factors Second. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the question is the show title. And we either just say yes or no. Yes or no. There's maybe something in that. I mean, not. But maybe is there a whole bunch of questions that you know like when we did the end of year one and we, we basically read through all the titles yeah. and all that stuff. could we do something similar that is the is the title of the shows but the answer and then all we get is a oh. little, you're allowed one liner on huh. you, know, in, you know so we're basically reflecting back on the year's worth of things because at the time we might have thought it was amazing but actually now we realize it's rubbish almost yeah. like either a one word or a one line you're only allowed like a one one well, well, if you think about it right, there are 52 weeks in a year, so we'd have to do at least 52 of them, uh, or at most 52 of them. Uh, at, uh, I guess we technically do. Because you do 20, we do 26, because uh, we split it over two, don't we? So that's 26. Um, so you, I mean, it could be as simple as like, to, like tonight's time. Um, we searched to do. Uh, society's re ready for um, a a ethical decision making. No, right. we're not. Next. Yeah, nope. Nope. Next. Um, you know, and, and just almost a sarcastic response to every single title that we could alternate on. I think that might be an interesting. Uh, well, I find it interesting. I don't know. I don't know whether anybody else will. You know, let me let me just just do a quick preview or review, I guess, of of some of our episodes here. See if it would work, uh, and and see if it would work, right? T uh, I mean, most of our shows are phrased as questions, although we've kind of gotten away from that in recent, right? So, TRB's new tool for airport construction safety and phasing plans. It's great, right? Like it would be like a quick thought on that one, right? It, yeah. Let's kiss in VR. That's not. That's not a question. It's a. It's, it's a statement. It's a command. <laughs> Uh, Human-robot interaction will change the food industry. Um, yes, it will. I, yes, I it mean, will. that's that, like, yeah, if we give our, like, just gen generic thoughts on it, I think it could work, right? Yeah. Uh, fixing humanity's broken risk perception to save the planet. I mean, really what we're asking for here is kind of like a TLDR version of the podcast. In a Yes. Yeah, in fact, that's... Um, yes, because rather than just, just reading out the titles, it actually gives us a little bit of... a little bit of nuance, or just complete and utter sort of joking around about it mm -hmm. uh, both both would work um i see you're filling out some stuff too here uh, yeah so. um did you see the and it actually might fit into this as well um the study that um your transportation people i uh, say your transportation the american transportation people um around te the Tesla accidents. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of sitting there going, Tesla's by far the worst. It's like, 
yeah, but Tez is by far the most prevalent as well. So they hadn't weighted it at all in terms of, you know, how many, te- you know, Tesla's share of the market and then the entire share of AI, but, you know, that, that type of vehicle over, um, you know, pe- gas vehicles, petrol vehicles. Um, it keeps overriding your stuff. I think it's because it's a table. Sorry. Oh, it might be because I'm in the same. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, it's still doing the same thing. Um, what this? Yeah, I mean, um, point. Uh, if you're joining us tonight, would you, would you write our show notes for us? Write our show notes for us. <laughs> do our, do our job. Do our job. <laughs> Um, no, would you would you type in the chat, please, whether or not you would let an artificial intelligence, uh, an artificially intelligent agent, make a decision around ethics? We'll leave it vague, but like, uh, I guess I guess the the question is, would you? Would you trust an AI to do like the trolley problem, right? And and for everyone, everyone's awareness, the trolley problem is kind of like a, a, a I don't know, it's it's a mind experiment where you know, would you would you would you let a trolley go on one path uh, that had a certain number of lives on that track, and then or or another path with another certain number of lives on the track and then you also have to consider you know who's on the trolley itself um ideally you know ai would assign values to the lives of these individuals taking into account factors like age experience contributions to society they we they they used the trolley experiment in this didn't they i think yes that was one of, the, and because one of the one of my comments on here, I think yes, it is, is is the value of culture because there's some really interesting uh, bits of research around that between East and Western culture, um, where we talk about all the old and young and how they how we assign value and how they assign value. It's quite um, quite cool. Yeah, I can't think of the reference off the top of my head, but then I'll just wing it. Um, social. Um, well, you've got it came from. Um, Let's see here. One more thing. Oh yeah, you got one of those. Yeah, I got. Okay. I, I in in uh, true Barry fashion have have multiple. Um, no, I can talk about no, any. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is not true Barry. I have two. Okay, look, I, I, I said I have multiple. Two is multiple. Yeah, I, I think two is two. Three is multiple. <laughs> we, so. we just need to start calling it uh, two three more things. Thing. Three more things. <laughs> one, one more, one more, one more thing. One more, one more thing. Oh, um, oh that reminds me. Apparently, I've got a sudden, I've got a Thursday when I'm going on holiday. I mean, that's right. I mean, when is that happening? Because I need to figure out what's going yeah. on there. Me too. Um, Stop then. Stop then. Is it then? Oh, it is. Right. It's going to be the 28th of July. 
Okay, you've given me about a month's notice. That's great. Um, it's more than it's more notice than I know. Um, July twenty eighth. I mean, we might be able to record something ahead of time. And so you could either do a pre-record. Um, Good. Because technically, I'm. Oh, could you do it? I don't know whether this works for you, but say Monday the twenty fifth. We're not. I don't think we're going to the Tuesday. Or the week before or something like that or we could do a post-show thing like we've done in the past or whatever whoa. Works. Whoa, whoa 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 hold the phone here yes we'll figure that out but i i sorry i have uh breaking news oh go for it uh it appears our broadcasting software has now implemented tickers and so um, we can do uh, fun tickers at the bottom of our uh, down here, like an actual news Ooh. thing. Whoa! Right, and I've I've taken our favorite news story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that was yeah okay. <laughs> so check that out now. Now what we could do is, um, you know, we we could. Uh, I mean, I mean, we could put some real cool things down there. Um, I'm um, like I, I'm. That's quite cool. So so hang on, let's. Just I mean, mean that you're gonna have to move the logo a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah that's yeah the... yeah yeah yeah. We'll figure out the logo thing, but um, you know, hang on. I, I like uh, I'm I'm think we have we have one thousand characters to mess around with. Whoa. So that's quite a lot, right? So like we could do this. Right. Hey, Pride updates. Uh, designing for you know, like, like look at that. That's cool. I don't like the speed in which it goes. I think it's a little fast. That's where you need to only use about say two hundred characters, but you are, you have it in loop because you need to have yeah. a short. I'm wondering. Like I'm wondering if there's a way to adjust that. But that's that's really cool, right? Like, check that out. That's 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 cool. That's very cool. I like it. Uh, we'll, we'll um, we'll maybe figure that out. It is actually that would be, you know how we've sort of told around whether people actually listen to the programming notes and things like that. Yeah. So if you put the abbreviated programming notes on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll still read through them, but, but so then the people who are doing this through their visual platform of choice will get the programming notes. Yeah. Or something like that. It's one more element that I'd have to adjust for in uh, in post, which is not making me happy. But because uh, because we do uh, translate, I guess uh, our content to a oh I see. yeah when you do that article well, and that, so then I mean it wouldn't be a huge thing because it's static and it stays in the same place and really it uh, it would just be oh. half the length. I mean you know it, it's not it's not a huge deal. It's just one more thing that I had to worry about. Which which you don't need. So why don't we let, let's not rush into this. We let's can, think about it. Oh, why don't you use AI to make the yeah. decision as to whether you should do it? By the way, your mum wouldn't allow AI to make ethical decisions. They decide, I, they decide I, I, yeah, I, I don't think she would. Um, well, she says not. Very, very shouty and very shouty letters. All caps. Yeah. This is mom, your uh, caps lock key is, is on. I think she just really means it. <laughs> 
All right. So, uh, let's uh, let's let's think of a couple extra show notes here. I want to make sure that we pad this out uh, quite nicely <laughs> since uh, ni- I, either of us didn't really have a good opportunity to sit down before this. Too. Yeah. I literally got in like two minutes before. Uh, but, yeah. but I didn't help because I, I sort of got, we left, left the place, which is about 45 minutes away at nine o'clock. So, yeah, there was some, I might, might not have stuck to the speed limit all the way. Um, but the... So we pick, we had to then pick up a McDonald's because otherwise I, I haven't eaten yet. I, I hadn't eaten. So I was like, I need some food, otherwise I'm just going to fall over. So we stopped at McDonald's. They then did the thing. Normally, drive through works really, really well, except for this time. So all I asked for was a quarter pounder, nothing really dramatic. And they're like, oh, could you just go and wait in the bay and we'll be right out, which means we're going to take about 20 minutes. Oh. Um, I was laughing in front of me. Anyway, they, they brought that out, so we then made it here. Got in here, and I've been having some electrical work done on the house, and I hadn't realized that the power had tripped in here, in in my uh, work cabin. And so as I sat down, I was like, why is there nothing work? Because I assumed actually it'll be okay, because the laptop's on. It's all, everything is kind of there. I just need to bring up the notes, and I'm, I'm good to go. So I've had to reboot everything from the ground up, mm. and that was stressing me out as well. But anyway, show notes. Show on. notes. Yeah, that's a thing that we're doing. Um, oh, sorry. I, well, no. Back, uh, back to the, what? What shipping labels are you making? How do you working making shipping labels? Um, right. Um, I want to move that one out. Yeah. Perfect. Here's, uh, uh, this, yeah, oh boy, there's some, there's some real good ones in here. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I can almost take this bullet point verbatim and put it there. Um, <laughs> oh, I think, you know, I think this is going to be a good, uh, especially when we start breaking it down by domain i think there's going to be some real fun conversations uh fun and or um hard conversations here to have uh for ooh 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 forensics yeah hey everyone listening um how interested would you all be in a forensic human factors podcast Just a thought. Um, let's see. Oh, forensics. Yeah. So, uh, that needs to. That's not the right place. This is. Well. Oh yeah! Oh, dude, this is okay. I'm I'm really excited now. Uh, yeah, but, but right. So there's a problem here. If you yeah. get too excited, and think it's going to be great. No, I. Then it's then then that's where we might struggle I, because we've done other ones where we've turned around and said this is going to be really difficult, really hard, and I've totally enjoyed them. No, don't worry. I have good news. I told my wife right before this show, or, or right before we went on, I was like, I don't feel great about this. Yeah. Oh, so that, that you've now changed your mind. Well, look, you, 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 we are putting some interesting points in here. True. I feel better. Good. Yeah. 
It's one of those things where I, I texted you, Barry. I said, hey, Barry. Uh, or, or you texted me, actually, and said, hey, I can't get in until, you know, 30 minutes before. And I said, oh, that's great. I have plenty of time. Um, wouldn't you know that my schedule, like, completely got busy uh, in between. I was like, oh, yeah, and I'll get in there. I'll make all the show notes. It'll be fine. It'll be great. And then here we are just frantically typing away, uh, every, you know, 10 minutes before we go on uh, to make a great show for you all. I think it, I, I think it will be. Uh, there's some there, let me I I don't think it's going to go one way or another Barry I think we have some great topics and I, some great I, jumping I, off points here it could go either way how about that we'll, we'll see what happens when we say it can go either way because you're right when we do say it's a good episode it kind of maybe and then sometimes the opposite is true we'll see um, well, I don't think we've ever done a bad episode I just think some are better than others yes I would agree with that statement. although you know what Go back it's and listen different. to the first episode. That, uh, yeah, that's a little hard to listen <laughs> to. It's, uh, yeah, and I should really go back and, li- I, and listen to my first episode with you because I know that, that I was really, really nervous about that one. Um, but I think we have the difference between good episodes and great episodes rather than good and bad. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, problem um all right let's see here there's got to be some more i mean yeah there's definitely some more cultural things that we can touch on i mean it's it's the the way in which we do these is uh there's a lot of overlap so it's there is i mean i think doing what we did the other day as well worked really well when um we you know if you if you think you need to jump to something else that isn't in the order we just you just reorder it on the fly um It worked out really nicely. I'm, I mean, I'm not so much going to reorder since we only have five categories. Uh, I'll just jump to it, and then we can kind of just you know highlight wherever we left off. And yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Feel tired. Don't need. Don't want to feel tired. I don't want you to feel tired either. Do that. Um, struggling, struggling. Oh, oh, what have you either done or not done, or should have done, or could have done? And he said, We're going to find out about it. Yeah, oh, so. I feel really stupid. I, I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. So, look, uh, let me just... Um, you know what? I'm going to go in the order of operations in which I notice these things because I will take you on the journey with me. we got yeah, a couple man. minutes before the show starts. I'm feeling good about the show notes, uh, and we're, we're good there. Yeah. Let me talk you through something. This is going to be my one more thing, but since I just realized this before the show, it's not going to be my one more thing. Um If anyone has been keeping up with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, you've noticed there's been a new wonderful little droid called Lola. And um, I have uh, purchased some 3D files and I've been working very diligently on my version of Lola. And here my Lola is, and you can see she has a wonderful um, green and orange 
uh, color scheme. Okay. This is not the color scheme in the show. I just like this color scheme because it kind of screamed smuggler to me. And I was like, oh, you know, those are kind of smugglery colors. You got kind of the, uh, you know, the um, like earthy green with the like rebel orange, right? So, I mean, I really liked these colors, this combination. And you can actually see, you know, there's another uh, test piece I had here with a couple other options. So you can see there's kind of uh, two, two different tones of green there, two different tones of orange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And ultimately, I went with, you know, this this green here and yeah. this orange over here uh anyway um green and orange i i those weren't the initial colors i was gonna go for i was gonna go for like a green and yellow um but that kind of felt too boba fett to me okay um i knew i liked that kind of uh mossy green okay in the mail the other day I hate this. I hate this. In the mail the other day, I received my most recent issue of Human Factors. The Journal of the Human Factors and Ergonomic Society. (laughs) Oops. Now people are going to think I'm doing it because of human... Is that do they change their cover presumably every time? So therefore that that's just a one-off, or is that like the cover that they use every single time? I hope it's just a one-off. Easy you can get away with it. If not, you've been hmm. well. Here are the previous <laughs> two issues. You got a human uh, factor droid. You got a human factor droid. Oh my god! I can't escape. I can't. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. And they almost match perfectly too. Like, hang on. Let's let's do a side by side comparison, okay? Here's the green. Okay. That's <laughs> there's the green. The bit that you've got silver with the what looks like uh, an island. If you painted that black, it'd be perfect. Well, so here's the thing is the detail lines. You can't I don't you may or may not be able to see this on camera, but there are detail lines in there that are gonna be painted black. black. <laughs> and the like the inner detail of the eye there is black. Like yeah. ah. I'm so mad. I'm gonna say though, I I'm surprised that an organization that produces that is actually keeps with the same cover time after time after time. You look at ours in the. Yeah, it has series. changed. I will say it has changed over the years. I mean, it used to be like red. It used to be like a red across the top, like a red banner. I oh, see. We we. Let's go. magazine um, has its proper almost magazine style where the front where the front changes every single time, and so yeah. it's. Um, you know I, what? I, I'm, I'm not trying to say mine's better than yours, but, but mine's better than yours. You know what? Oh. I have something to talk about at the uh, as an opener to the uh, the HFES town hall. Yes, I'm not upset do. about it. That works. Can say, hey, look, I've made this. Do those colors look familiar to you? Uh, that's a good test because if they turn around and say no, why? Just proves they don't read their own literature. There you go. Uh, that'll be harsh for me. Um, oh, I'm so mad. I really like this color scheme, too. Well, I got that whole repaint. So you've been sublim- subliminally influenced. That's why. God. Uh, 
when is the actually just for people to chat about when is the town hall oh you got it you got it in the program i got it in the programming notes we'll talk about it in just a second uh, anything else we need to cover before we uh, go live here? Uh, I guess we've, I mean, we're live. We're, we're here. Hi, everybody. We're here. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but before we actually do the show, I mean. Oh, oh I've wait. just busted. Oh. So Martin Thode has just commented. Um, so Martin is somebody I used to work with and is, is a, a good friend. Um, he's disappointed that I don't have an ergonomist to hand. Um, Ooh. I, I, that's me. Well, my excuse is that it's in the house um because i was reading it diligently um but we do have two in the house and i could have had one up here there's one in my back you know you know what i just had a great idea like as oh, we get on. these good evening we, we could do a pre-show post-show type of thing where we look at this and be like uh all right let's i mean let's see if there's anything fun and interesting in here uh maximizing the benefits of participatory design for human robot interaction research with older adults well, because we have, like you know, we have a um, a weekly publication. Oh, called Think, and um, and so we we could um, we could use them as a, yeah. as a bit of a bit of a spring because I think that is publicly a available. Um, if I could find where my latest sort of Think is, um, I'm just very, oh there we go no it's it's it right right at the top of my uh, thing so in. In the news this week, we have um, talked about ready to recycle. Could a system of shared self-driving bikes that move themselves to where they most needed get around mm-hmm. cities more efficiently? Things like that. So we, we could use. In fact, there's one, two, three, four. There's five things we could use. We could, we could talk about that in the post show. Martin, I hope that yeah, that makes good. it a bit slightly. I've, I've promoted Think instead of just the ergonomist. That might get me back in the good books again. All right, might not as well, but you never know. Um, all right, we're going to. Uh, you ready? Born ready. Except right. I realize I'm, I haven't changed my shirt either. But never mind. We'll I just love that attitude. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna play this little intro thing, and then we're gonna actually do a podcast here. So stick around with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hi, I'm feeling better, and I hope you are too. It's episode 248. We're recording this live on on, uh, June 16th, 2022. This is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome, joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, tonight on the show, we got uh, we got some fun stuff for you. We're talking about a new study on society's readiness for AI ethical decision making. What does that mean? And we'll figure it out later. We're going to be answering some questions from the community about how to deal with know-it-alls, what to do in a horrible interview experience, and we'll discuss the merits of search engine optimization being user research. But first, we got some programming notes and a community update for y'all. If you're unaware, uh, this is Pride Month, and we are in full steam with our Pride content over here. Uh, I Shame on me. I don't have my merch, but we are still doing a fundraiser for you all, uh, or, or for the LGBTQIAP plus community. Um, if you uh, become a patron this month, 
or if you buy our merch, any of those proceeds uh, from the merch and 30% of our Patreon earnings will go towards the Trevor Project. We talked about it last week on the show. That is still going. Uh, link to our Pride content is in the show notes. Um, this week, you can uh, hear, I guess it's out there now, our Human Factors Minute on designing for LGBTQIAP+. Uh, and that is guest read by Katie Sabo, one of our, uh, one of our, uh, digital media lab. I, I guess she's like the founding member of our, of our digital media lab, uh, research assistants. Um, also, um, next week, next Friday, June 29th, 10 AM Pacific, uh, join us live on LinkedIn. We're going to be doing another one of those wonderful HFES presidential town halls. We're going to sit down with Chris Reed. Uh, who I understand Barry just had to sit down with. Uh, we'll also have uh, Carolyn Sumrick and uh, Tom Albin, and then friend of the show, Farzan Sassam Gohar. Uh, he's been on a couple of times. So uh, we'll have a wonderful um, cast of folks there to talk about HFES, the state of things. It'll be a great time. Barry, I want to know what's going on over at 1202. Well, Chris Reed clearly gets around everywhere because the interview with him is, is still up and actually getting some really good traction, particularly some really good feedback here from the UK about just nice to hear what goes on across across the pond in HFES and some of the uh, similarities and differences. But um, coming up on Monday is another new interview, and actually we're diving into health this time. So Peter Brennan, who's a surgeon here in the UK, he's been really driving uh, human factors in in his surgery and and his operating theatre and been doing a lot of stuff kind of off his own back and so it was really good to just chat to him about what his drive is so that goes live on live on monday and i thoroughly recommend everybody goes and has a listen to it yeah i finally got a chance to listen to that chris reed interview great job barry really appreciate it all right we know why you're here you're here for the news so why don't we go ahead and get into it That's right. This is the part of the show where we read you a human factors news story and then we talk about it in some capacity. Barry, what is the news story this week? So this week, researchers study society's readiness for AI ethical decision making. So with the accelerating evolution of technology, artificial intelligence plays a growing role in decision making processes. Humans have become increasingly dependent on algorithms to process information recommend certain behaviors and even take actions on their behalf. A research team has studied how humans react to the introduction of AI decision-making. Specifically, they explored the question, is society ready for AI ethical decision-making by studying human interactions with autonomous cars? Researchers observed that when the subjects were asked to evaluate their ethical decisions of either a human or an AI driver, they did not really have a definitive process for either. However, when the subjects were asked about their explicit opinion on whether a driver should be allowed to make ethical decisions on the road, the subjects had a stronger opinion against AI-operated cars. Researchers believe this is the rejection of a new technology that is mostly due to incorporating individuals' belief around society's opinion and how it's likely to apply to other machine and robots. Therefore, it would be more important to determine how to aggregate individual performances into one social preference. Moreover, this task will also have to be different across countries, as the research here has, has suggested. So, Nick, are you ready for AI to make ethical decisions in your life? You know, I saw this question that you posed to me. Are you ready for AI to make ethical decisions in your life? And I said, oh, I, I can answer this easily. I can't. I don't know. Um, I, I genuinely don't know. I... <laughs> 
I might be putting too much thought into this, but I, I genuinely don't know because what information does an AI agent have about a certain situation that maybe I don't see? Mm-hmm. And so I understand the power of AI and I understand sort of where we're at with that. And AI can do some crazy, scary things and understand um, things that maybe we can't even see yet. And so to me, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting question. And I think that's what we're seeing here with this um, with this uh, story here. Because, I mean, a, a lot of these people probably have that same thought as I do, right? Uh, I would imagine, you know, many people kind of understand what AI can do and understand that it can see things more objectively than us humans can do. But because it's such a, a, a newer technology or, I guess, something that... Um, Maybe we still don't know all the variables around it, how it makes these decisions, those type of things. Maybe that is why they're erring on the side of caution and saying, maybe the human should be the one in charge here. But Barry, I'm, I'm curious what you think. Um, I'll ask you the same question since it was such a curveball for me. Are you ready for AI to make ethical decisions in your life? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it depends. So I think this is really interesting because what is good ethical decision making? Because fundamentally, we're, we're and now that we'll get into the experiments in, in a moment, but this is all about asking difficult questions. You're being asked to make choices that invariably lead to a level of hurt, pain, emotional outcome, things that really an AI doesn't understand. Um, they don't, an AI, when it makes a decision, an ethical decision or any sort of decision, doesn't have to live with the outcome. Um, we do. And and I think that's where an interesting nuance is. The other thing, I think you kind of alluded to it, which is why I was sort of playing around with the idea, is the an AI will presumably know more than we do or can see all the data at, almost at face value more so than what, what we do. But also it can presumably, if it has time, it could actually work on different potential outcomes, whereas we react um now whether we do that in our head but if you have to make a split second decision you make a split second decision with the best information you have available at the time an ai can presumably process a whole lot like almost run scenarios almost in the blink of an eye and therefore make logical decisions uh, based on values but not necessarily emotional decisions and again doesn't have to live with the outcome of what, of what is decided the decisions made it it, it does it so I, as much as I really want to see AI do a lot of a lot of stuff, and I think it can help us massively, I still think there is an element there of, I'm not sure. That yeah. was a long way around, but I don't know. Yeah, right. I, I, we're both I don't know on that camp, but let's let's talk a little bit more about sort of what actually happened in this experiment because I think there's some nuance here that we want to capture uh, in the way in which they sort of analyzed whether or not people were comfortable with. AI making these ethical decisions. So let's talk about these experiments, right? Um, there were two of them. I'll kind of talk about the first one, Barry. I'll let you take the second one. Uh, in the first experiment, the researchers presented these human subjects with an ethical dilemma, right, that a driver might face. And we can talk about some ethical thought experiments in a little bit uh, through the lens of AI making these decisions and kind of 
you know, poke holes at it, see, see what we would come to in, in those situations, right? In the specific scenario that these researchers created, the car driver had to decide whether to crash the car into one group of people or another, right? So this is kind of your traditional trolley problem. Um, the collision uh, was completely unavoidable. It, it had to happen, and the crash would cause severe harm to one group of people, but would save the lives of the other group, right? Traditional trolley problem. Um, and, you know, coming back to sort of the results of the study, right? You mentioned this in the blurb. Basically, when asking to evaluate the ethical decisions of a human versus an AI driver, they kind of um, they didn't have a preference for either, but then. Um, you know, w when they were asked whether or not the driver should be allowed to make the decisions on the road, they had sort of a stronger opinion against the AI making that decision. And so um, in this situation, they said the driver, I guess, should be sort of responsible for determining which of these two groups the crash, uh, the, the car crashes into. Barry, you want to talk about the second experiment here? Yeah, so the second experiment was a bit broader in terms of understanding how people react to the debate over AI medical decisions once they become part of the social and political discussions. So they had two scenarios. One involved a, a hypothetical government that had already decided to allow autonomous cars to make ethical decisions. The other scenario allowed the subjects to vote in whether to allow autonomous um, cars to make them sort of decisions. And so when they were asked to, to do this, again, as it was sort of mentioned in the blurb, the the subjects were um, really keen that actually the um, they were uncomfortable with the it already been the already been made that they wanted to um, allow the subjects to vote um, on what they wanted to play with. So yeah, it's really interesting um, about how a lot of this comes out. It's the it it falls back to what it, why should we as as people have the only thing and, and is there an element of blame culture here as well not culture but is it is do we just want to be able to point the finger at somebody and not just a thing right um so yeah i think there's um it's a difficult you, you i thought this was going to be quite easy <laughs> the, the more you think about this and the more the deeper we get into it i think it's um yeah it, it's I, i've never thought about it quite with this twist on it before you know, one one thing I do want to bring up about that second experiment that you talked about, right? I think the the purpose of that experiment was really to look at sort of um, how to introduce this concept of of having AI make these ethical decisions into a society, right? Is it something that is is mandated by the the government in in uh, charge, or does it allow its citizens to make that decision? Um, and and that's really interesting to me as well because you have sort of this. Uh, these these two schools of thought about uh, you know how I mean theoretically right if, if you're talking about democratic societies you have sort of these elected officials who are making the decision on your behalf or do you let the general populace kind of vote for that as well um, or you know even in in another case you have sort of a, a fascist dict dictatorial um, uh, sort of government where you know the decision is solely made by one ruler right and so like there's different ways in which to introduce this into society it's just it's fascinating to me to to see how those might actually be implemented so um barry you and i can kind of slice and dice this like we normally do in terms of the uh the the all the different facets but i think um you know i i don't know do you have a particular one that you want to start with we can start anywhere i don't care 
Oh, good. Well, yeah. for me, I think I one thing that really I find really interesting in all of this, and it kind of does play into that into that last discussion you just had, is around the organisation and social, because for me, the the value of culture um, really hits into this quite strongly. Because you take the um, the, the the trolley problem that that, that that they've adapted, and the different variations on this are, you know, do you allow it to crash into a bunch of school children, you know, young young people, or an elderly person? And different cultures place different values on on the on on different people. So Western cultures tend to place more value on young people because presumably they've they've got more to live for. They're they're all out all out there. Um, whereas um, Eastern cultures tend to place a lot more value on on elderly people because they've got so much more experience and and they can you know they've got they've they've lived more life so they've got all this uh, knowledge that they can pass on to people and um, and you know. Uh, improve the wealth of society uh, knowledge base that way. So I think where AI is going to be quite interesting is how do you implement that in different cultures and in different societies in a way that is right and just and who is the right person to to talk about that? Um, because then you also then take that next step into we already have a strong recognition that AI is is quite sexist. It's very male, you know, the it's it's very male dominated because the people who are coding them generally are male. And so it has that inherent uh, bias in it. And so if we're going to do this, how do we make sure that we um because you don't want to be culturally agnostic because culture is an is an inherent part of of everybody's fabric mm-hmm. so how do you make how do you make that work but then how do we make um how do we make the the organization that is developing this type of stuff um develop it in such a way that it does reflect you know gender bias and and them type of them type of attitudes so i think there is the that the, the, that bigger thing at play that really i think ai has got a long way to travel um in being able to help us solve that yeah, you brought up gender bias. It's not unique to sort of gender either. There's racial bias introduced as well. Mm-hmm. Um, AI, going to a person color their skin. Um, it's it's uh, AI, I guess, right? So I don't know. There's there's a lot there. Uh, you know, the next thing that I want to talk about here is. Um, I guess, sort of understanding what the AI's intent is, right? So you have sort of this decision that's being made by an artificial intelligent agent. And when you think about sort of why it that decision or how it made that decision, we as a society, right, we're kind of transferring from that societal aspect now to kind of a training uh, mindset, if you will, right? We will need to be trained. We will need to understand what factors went into that decision, right? Especially when it comes to, uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, hurt, um, and and sort of understanding, you know, if if um, if an AI chose uh, my family, somebody else's, ever going to be a new that went into that decision. Um, will I ever put that? I'd be pretty, but you know, and I think the other person on the other side that happened to them. And so this need to 
and not the of uh, that it made, but led up to here. There is definitely um, elements around that that is. Um, it's still, we've got to um, we got to engage with the the other bit around the training. I get well, one thing I, I think is quite interesting when we you know we, when we started using um, Google Maps, for example, we wanted to drill in and understand where that decision making uh, was coming from, and you'd have that element there to to understand and drill into. Yes, you you you, you set a whole lot of settings for that. Whereas now we. Um, now we are using Google Maps. You, you you drop into it. You don't really care why it's made the decision that it's made. You don't care about the route. You just assume that the route it's given is right, and that's why I think, in many ways, the we will get to a point where we don't really um, don't really worry about um, why the decisions were made. We just we'll just understand why that they were made. We'll get to a level of trust, but we're gonna we're gonna be on a journey there. Um, I think the um, Martin Third has dropped in a, a point here in the um, in, in on the, the stream that he's, he's listening through, where he said that the AI, AI will be underpinned by algorithms written by people. The benefit, as he, he sees it, is the outcome will be consistent and acceptable at a societal level, even if it's different from individuals' choice. And that goes back into the organisational things that we were talking about earlier, which is yeah, that that that's. Almost, de it's democratic decision making. That um, everybody would, you know, if everybody's bought into it. But this then leads itself into what you were just been talking about: is as long as people understand how that decision making was made, um, which you can argue we might struggle with because you know people don't actually know how decision made decisions are made on our behalf at the moment anyway, mm -hmm. even before AI. You know, with the the way that government is. So, yeah, no, I think that's um, um, very. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fundamental, isn't it, to to being able to exploit it? Yeah. So here's another piece to that puzzle too, right? So imagine if you know we talked about sort of uh, incorporating AI into a government or into a society. What if they also sort of voted on not only whether or not to have an AI uh, make those ethical decisions, but also what decisions? that AI could make. This is kind of getting at that underpinning of, of uh, you know, AI by people, right? So if you had a society vote like, okay, should AI be allowed to vote whether or not, um, you know, or, or I guess the method in way in, in which um, an AI would triage in, in a healthcare setting, right? Are we voting on that? You know, then, then, uh, but then how do you get to that point of all the nuance of, you know, it's not just a simple decision. There's a lot of information that goes into that. Do you have sort of healthcare professionals then that lobby for one versus the other? Or do you have, you know, the society kind of representing what the best decision would be from their perspective? It's, it's a whole interesting twist on sort of this, this, AI, right? Like I'm thinking like piecemeal AI where you just, plug in pieces to this AI system that ultimately makes all the ethical decisions for you. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. You know, I think 
we could go into some of the separate industries or, or uh, sectors to kind of talk about you know what what some of these um, what some of these decisions could be. I don't know. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, an easy one for me to pick up would be the whole whole defense bit because I mean the, it happens kind of all the time already that um, um, you know a decision needs to be made about um, I guess what people would um, lovely call kinetic effect, i.e., who lives and who dies. In, the, in this type of thing. And at the moment, we have very strong policy uh, decisions there that that is a human decision. That is something that um, somebody has to take responsibility for. But is there something there about, um, from an AI perspective, we can make better quality decisions? Um, but again, what happens when it goes wrong? Um, and it goes back to that sort of that, that blame piece. I think fundamentally when we're talking about taking uh, taking somebody's life, um, no matter how bad it is, there is a, a level of responsibility there that we, you know, ethically, morally feel like that should not just rest in um, some sort of um, um, data stream. So... Yeah, you yeah. Do, you got, have you got a particular one that you would uh, pick up and highlight? I mean, the healthcare example is really interesting because you have sort of this triage aspect, right, that we kind of mentioned uh, a little earlier. You have um, sort of understanding who gets treated first, who uh, who gets seen first um, based on not only factors like, uh, you know, who's who's easily able to be treated or whose injuries are more severe who's more likely to live who's not right you have all this stuff um so that's one interesting application then you also have sort of um you know making the the difficult decisions uh whether or not somebody's in a coma or um in a vegetative state or anything like that right you have sort of these really tough decisions um or whether or not to even go forward with a surgery you know, you have AI kind of looking at all that stuff. But then you have, <clears throat> even on the other uh, side of things, you have AI doing wonderful things in healthcare too. You have AI looking at, um, you know, scans and diagnostics of individuals who are picking up uh, diagnoses before healthcare professionals, professionals can even see them themselves. And so there's, you know, all these different types of, ways in which AI could in, uh, integrate with healthcare. But when you talk about those tougher decisions, right, um, you know, it's like, do you, do you, how, how do you sort of assign, because really we're talking about who lives, who dies. And, and uh, you mentioned that in defense too, right? Like that's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Who, who's, who's responsible for that? But I think the, there's, I guess the subtle difference is that, in the healthcare setting, the AI would make a decision based on the overall capability and capacity of the healthcare system. So, yes, you might not um, you might make a decision based on the resources available, based on the capacity and capability of the surgeons available or the nurses available. Um, and so, it's it's how can I guess it must be making it would be looking at it right. How many people can we save as opposed to you know, what, rather than focus on this one person, you rather than focus on this one person, you might say two people, and things like that. Which it, it's it's the same. It is the same outcome, but for I guess from a very different perspective. The because the other one where we're talking about about this as well, I guess is is in um, in the criminal justice system. 
Mm-hmm. So when when we're looking at the use of AI, the I've sat as a as a magistrate as a, as a judge, um, where you have to make decisions on people's guilt and innocence, and that is a very human thing. Or there's very in many ways it was, it's a very emotional thing to sit through because you you have to hear all the evidence, you have to weigh it all up, interpret whether you believe that person is telling the truth or not, and then come to a decision. Um, and then that decision has consequences because they either go to jail or, well, it's in the UK, they go to jail. And in the US, you have slightly more extreme versions um, in certain areas. So it is that, you know, could you could the AI make better, cleaner decisions in many ways if you take out all that emotion and just nail it on the facts? Um, and then, you know, you that is that judge-jury executioner piece. Um, again, and would it make, would it make decision-making in the defend in the justice system quicker because you know the facts are the facts are the facts um and and would it make it more just that's that's the other question too right it's like you have sort of yeah i mean i don't know criminal justice is is really hard to talk about especially when you think about sort of you know a fair trial by your peers and there's a lot of issues with criminal justice in general and i mean i i wonder how much of those problems would be solved by ai i don't know if many of them because you have systems that are in place but you know you think about all that stuff and um which roles does it actually play does it actually play sort of the does it play the judge does it play the jury or does it play the executioner um, and and when we say executioner, I'm I'm almost thinking about it, like having AI sort of step in and say, well, what is an appropriate punishment that would you know sort of have the most likely impact for a successful recovery for this person, right? So like that's that's kind of what I'm thinking from that perspective, and I think from that perspective, it's probably a great application. Um, but when you when you start you know applying it as a judge or a jury, then I think you're maybe getting a little bit more dicey in terms of sort of what society at large is comfortable with. Well, again, because you're absolutely right, this is, the justice system is more about society um, because it's society's rules. That's what the whole justice system is. It's um, it's about what is acceptable and what is not within the function of society um, and them social rules. Somebody breaks them social rules that have been codified um, and, it, 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 you know, it, it it, then the the judge is there to say yes, you have definitely broken them rules. The jury is there to um, um, to do that, and as you say, the executioner um, is there to extract some sort of um, recompense on that. Uh, and a really interesting quote that when I was doing my my training at the time was: "Justice is not about theoretically. Justice is not about rehabilitation. Justice is about extracting a penalty." from the person who has broken the law um, for the victims, um, on behalf of the victims, sorry. Um, and I think, yeah, it's interesting that that um, that actually out a lot of this, um, we do forget the victim's role in it all. Um, and what would this provide better outcomes for, for a victim? Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it would. Yeah, no, that that's a great point, right? Because maybe maybe there's some system in place that that would uh, not only be better for uh, the the you know the recovery, but also isn't an appropriate sort of uh, sort of punishment that would be satisfactory to the to the victim as well, right? 
Good point. You know, I do want to talk a little bit about surface transportation because that's kind of what they're talking about here. Um, they're, they're talking about sort of uh, the trolley problem. And when you think about uh, the example in in the experiment that they ran, right? You're looking at the classic trolley problem. And I, I, I do want to talk about sort of autonomous vehicles. And I think this is one, one place in which sort of we're already looking at this issue. And I think that's why the researchers chose to focus here on this area, because this is already out there, right? You already have AI systems. And whether or not they're making the correct choices, they are making decisions now that are impacting lives. Um, and yeah, how do we just build responsible systems, all that stuff? I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to bring that up because that is happening now. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we, we need to need to figure it out <laughs> quickly. Well, and I think this is, again, it's a, it's a really good study from this perspective because we've never had that I can think of such a rapid deployment of technology that is that is properly groundbreaking, game changing, but potentially lethal in in all at once. And it, it's hit. We've talked about AI and and being able to um, to do different things. And I think we've all had this idea that we we know that you know aircraft are being flown um, by uh, by autopilots, and they could have a, a varying levels of autonomy in there. Um, and artificial intelligence making decisions. That's fine because they're up in the air. They don't affect us on a day-to-day basis. Um, trains could be similar. So things that are very highly controlled, um, having that AI. The thing that has made a distinct difference is being able to get a piece of AI doing stuff for you in your hands. Um, and this is where the um, this is where we sort of hit this with, you know, people can drive around utilizing AI. Um we need to deal with this right now. And are we happy with our road space being used as largely a, um, an agile test bed? Um, because that's what it, that's what it is at the moment. You know, we've got AI doing its thing and it's making mistakes, not many when you compare to the other accidents that go on in the, in the grand scheme of things, but they are still being made. Um, and this, I think that's possibly what makes people feel more uncomfortable than anything else. Yeah, let's uh, let's throw a couple ethical thought experiments out here um, just to see kind of how we might think about AI in society and culture um, and how it might approach some of these issues. Right. So we talked about the trolley problem. That's pretty, pretty uh, ubiquitous. Right. So let's let's look at the experience machine. Have you have you heard about this one, Barry, the experience machine? So so there's a, uh, a there's a book, Anarchy, State and Utopia. Um, and, and basically, we're looking at an ethical system that places pleasure above all other values. So the, the, the concept here is that there's a machine that could give you whatever experience you wanted at any moment. Um, and I guess the, the first question is, would you plug into a machine like this? Would everyone do it? If everyone uh, was plugged in, who would run it? Those types of questions, right? And so, um, you know, this, this whole concept of wanting to plug into the experience machine... Um, you know, I, I think this is a little bit more fun to think about because I, I, I don't know, I'd plug into it, but then would, you know, would it become addicting? I don't know. Probably. Um, yeah, I could, I could have every podcast episode where my internet doesn't suck. Uh, and, and, uh, that's the experience I'm living, but you know, I, I don't know. Would you, would you plug into something like this? And then how would an AI system sort of, um, 
work with this in in society right this theoretical but yeah yeah um would i plug in um see my gut answer is yeah of course you would because why wouldn't you want to experiment that sort of thing but then how do you it's almost that addictive thing how do you know that you will be able to then unplug um because i think all the idea of um pleasure is only pleasurable because it doesn't happen all the time you can't have unlimited pleasure all the time or maybe i'm just doing things wrong i don't know um but you know what i mean there's um you there's a, i think there's a whole thing where you have that the whole yin and yang um pleasure pain thing because you right re- you recognize the good stuff because the bad stuff if you have nothing but the good stuff then that it dulls out um so i don't know interesting um I'll okay go <clears throat> Here, here's a better example what about the utility monster so Basically, when we talk about a monster here, we're talking about AI, right? And so, so this um, this experiment, this thought experiment, really considers maximizing pleasure, happiness, or good as the highest moral goal. And they are sort of set at the core of this AI's thought process, right? So we're looking at um, we're looking at the AI's uh, ability to focus on the consequences of actions. And the AI would be set for maximizing utility towards good in the world, right? And so, um, basically, we're we're imagining an AI that gets a hundred times more good out of things um, than being a human ever could, right? So, or or letting humans make these decisions than they could ever um, than they ever could, right? So, for example, um, you know, a human eats a chocolate chip cookie. Uh, w- would it taste? Uh, you know, a hundred times better to you. Um, if, uh, if, ah, this is a bad example. I, I'm trying to adapt it from another thing, but here, it, 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 think about uh, sort of like, um, you know, if, if you made a choice that was selfish to you, but it was maybe not so good for others in the world, wouldn't AI step in and correct your action to sort of make sure that there's more good in the world based on, on your decision? Is it really a decision at that point, right? It, it's a, it's a, interesting thought experiment yes it's the um does the group exist only because the actions of the individuals or does the group exist because the actions of the group and it's only for the good for the group yes the um the the problem with thought experiments is they make you think yeah Um, which is it which which is which is a bit of that um i mean i actually on that i'm i'm a great believer in that the you know groups are made up of, of people so without people making individual decisions you don't get a group um but you clearly do because we've seen so many examples of um of how that so doesn't work we're like just right through covid um you've seen the examples of groups of people doing crazy things yet everybody individually said oh why would you do that um you know initially we went through a whole piece of um uh, things happening where people where you can buy like toilet paper and stuff because people were um uh bulk buying stuff um because because they could because they thought it was everything was going to go so if everybody just left it alone it would have been fine but no we act together as um as a group like sheep if you will all right uh any other loose rounds on this uh article before we uh go ahead and get into our little break um no, I think it's it's a really interesting one. It's, it, I like this one because it's it's made me think a lot more than I anticipated it would make me think. Because um, normally we've we've been around these sort of AI discussions for quite a while, 
but then sometimes you just get a topic that makes you think of things in a slightly different twist, different way. So, you know, well, well done for everybody who voted it in to to be the story this evening. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Yeah. Uh, no, no other closing thoughts from me. Uh, thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic, and thank you to our friends over at Hiroshima University for our new story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. Also, join us on our Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to reset my router, and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons. We especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. You keep the lights on over here. What does Patreon actually pay for? Well, this month, you know, like I said, if anyone wants to become a patron, 30% of your uh, proceeds this month will go to the Trevor Project uh, for Pride Month. But normally what it does, what it helps pay for here is kind of uh, the monthly hosting fees that we usually use to keep our podcast up. That costs money. I don't know if you know that. Cost money. It's not free. You can't just put a podcast out there. You got to pay for it. Anyway, it does that. Uh, we have annual website domain fees that we got to take care of. We have um, the capability for that website behind the scenes that we have as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got to pay for that somehow. We have automation behind the scenes handling a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, products and services to help us with the audio and video production. And above all, it kind of helps with uh, my ability to get good internet, although mm, not tonight. We'll see. Anyway, uh, yeah, it, it pays the bills. It keeps the lights on. Thank you. Appreciate the support. Let's get into this next part of the show. It came from. It came from. That's right. This is the part of the show we like to call It Came From. This is where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. Any any topic is fair game for us to sit here and talk about as long as it relates to the field of human factors. Uh, and uh, wherever you're watching, if you find these answers useful, give us a like to help other people find this content. All right. We got three tonight. This one, this first one here is by uh, mystery to me on the UX Research subreddit. How to deal with know-it-alls. Um, the, they go on to write, I'm new to a team where a few of us were hired at the same time. One of them, a male, former engineer, seems to dominate all meetings with his input on uh, how to change processes or random things in the organization. As a new employee, I really wouldn't have the confidence to come across that way trying to change things. They've been that way forever since I feel like it comes off as I'm, I know better um, than everyone else. Uh, I'm, I'm really just trying to learn in this first month on my job. He also often brings up his past experience during meetings. I feel like it sidetracks us a lot. The manager doesn't really do a good job of keeping the meeting focused, so it ends up going for an hour with him, mansplaining on how to do things or how things should be done. 
tried to be more vocal in the meetings, but he seems just to interject again right away. How do you deal with this behavior? I'm also wondering if this type of behavior is actually rewarded over my approach of keeping quiet until I learn more, or should I try to be more vocal too? And how would one do that without coming across as arrogant? Barry, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, how, how do you um, how do you approach that situation? Oh, it's it's difficult, and because because some people do this as a as a defensive behavior. So particularly with new people coming into organizations, they um, and I think probably it is probably more of a male issue than a than than a female issue, where you have to you feel like you have to go and prove your worth as soon as you possibly can. So you end up either being quiet or you end up talking an awful lot and basically trying to justify your existence. Um, my approach to this, because I've seen it quite a lot, unfortunately, one way or another, is if you see how I mean, have a quiet word with people um, and sort of just help them reflect on themselves about what it is that they're doing. Um, because the other killer part of this really is that actually quite often this 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 type of behavior can end up going quite well rewarded because there seem to be more um they the, if managers particularly if there may be managers um who don't necessarily are not all over the brief and they're, they're literally just managers um you know people managers not technical managers um if they don't really know what's going on then they think oh well actually this person being really vocal clearly then they know what they're talking about when we all know that that isn't necessarily the case um, if you haven't got a manager who is good at basically getting everybody to, to put forward their, their point of view and that type of thing, we, we can suffer with this. So really it's a difficult thing to do, but I would suggest a cup of tea, cup of coffee, um, have a chat with them and somehow it, and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I've, I, I don't have a, a playbook of being able to go and start that conversation, but it is most people, when you point out that behavior to them do tend to be a bit more reflective, particularly in our domain. Um, but it, I, I, I've seen this sometimes before, and yes, it's it's not an easy thing to deal with because you feel like you're being, particularly if you've been there a while, you feel like uh, they're coming and stamping in on your ground. You feel like um, you're being let down, um, particularly if the managers aren't supporting you in that way. So I feel for you, Nick. What about you? Have you have you dealt with had to deal with this before? Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, this is this is a tough one uh, because for me, as a new employee, I'm typically the quiet one and so i'm i'm very much in like information absorption mode and and so i don't feel comfortable talking about things i don't understand the exception is asking for questions or asking questions about those things that i don't understand now i I will say um you're right barry this this behavior oddly does go rewarded in some cases where you know um you do have sort of the manager that is looking at the the ability to contribute to a conversation rather than the content of that contribution. And so in this case, what I would recommend for somebody in this situation is to go to that manager and say, hey, look, you know, I've, you know, I, I just, I don't think that this person is, is contributing anything meaningful. And I feel like a lot of our conversations go off topic. Um, and, and you don't even have to bring up the person. Just say, hey, I think, you know, our, our conversations could be a little bit more guided, you know, and I, I have concerns about the direction in which some of these, uh, you know, conversations get off the rails. And that might, you know, subtly nudge them to, um, to sort of rein in the conversation as it does get off the rails with people like this. I don't know. That's kind of where I'd start. 
if it ultimately becomes a huge problem, you know, obviously call them out by name and and uh, tell the manager so and so is doing this. And then from there, you might want to call it out in the meeting to just say, hey, can we table this discussion and get back to the thing at hand? People tend to be pretty receptive when you call it out in the middle of a meeting. Um, but I would go the other options first. Uh, any other closing thoughts on that one? Yeah, I guess part, part of it is actually I've probably been half of this person. <laughs> um, just so I've certainly had them elements where I've been, I've gone into a new role, felt completely out of my depth, and you do feel like you have to um, uh, do some of that. But I had, I, I, it, this was like really, really early, early on in my career. Um, and I did have somebody pull me aside and say, you know, you are worth it. You are fine. You you don't need to shout your mouth off all the time. Um, and that really early on was was actually quite a, a good learning experience. I'd, I like to think I wasn't going quite as far as, as what this was. This story was um, alluding to. But sometimes maybe you don't necessarily understand everything what's going on inside that person i think so i think there's probably two possibly two levels there to to think on as well i love that that person told you you don't have to run your mouth and yet you are a regular on this podcast and you have your own anyway just a <laughs> just a little observation all right this next one here is uh is is uh, filled with some fun language but i'm gonna censor most of it horrible ux interview experience this is by wishing for nuggets on the user experience subreddit, I had a bad interview with a senior UX designer at a company. Um, geez, how do I how do I truncate this? Apparently, he's an engineering grad that makes uh, films in his free time, which is great. Except he himself has just a year's experience in UX, uh, which I found out after the interview by stalking him. And after that experience, uh, and that experience also includes a course from Udemy and UX fundamentals. I don't know. It seems. Ridiculous that I'm being interviewed by someone who themselves is starting out in UX, not to mention the condescending tone. I was about uh, I was talking about inclusive design um, and he cuts in and tells me that's great, but it's not relevant to UX at all. I'm wondering where to put you since your UX is very, quote unquote, basic. That's what he said after looking at my case study and portfolio. Uh, they advertise this as a UX and UI design role, but the guy says, no, we're looking for a UX researcher, which is very different. Um, he's asking me stuff like, do you know what an artboard resolution is? I'm genuinely questioning because I have four years of visual design experience. Anyway, uh, is this normal? Am I missing something? Or I I'm genuinely so annoyed and upset right now. I have picked this because um, this post made me annoyed and upset. Uh, <laughs> Barry, how do you go about an interview where it might not be going in your favor or your way or anything like that. Um, oh, it's it's this is, again. This this isn't easy because I've been there a few times where you turn up thinking you're going for you're going for a job. It's been advertised as as a, as a certain job, and and it isn't. You sort of get there and they're like, actually, no, we're really looking for this. And then you you immediately get into that thing. Oh, have I made a mistake here? Or somebody somebody told me wrong. And then you realize, I mean, we, I guess we see it in human factors quite a lot in that you get interviewed by somebody because you're, you're you know, if you're going to a role where possibly you're the only HF person in there, you've been managed, you've been done by a senior person, uh, you've been interviewed by a senior person who's heard of human factors and has maybe done some sort of cool course once in like was, was a long time ago, but knows all about it when they probably don't. Um, 
it's not easy. Um, but also, it is kind of incumbent on you to re- realize that the interview process is a two-way process. Um, that if if what they're giving you is such bad vibes, then um, then you probably don't belong there. That's you know your evaluation of it is if it gives you such a horrible experience, move on, find another one. Um, I think there is a maybe an expectation that every interview that we go to should be perfectly aligned to us, and they you know it should be um, everything on that on on the other side of the table should be absolutely perfect thrown our way, and that's just not the case. And it might be that people are interviewing because they don't really know what they're talking about there. Um, or they might think that, you know, as what sounds in, in this case, that they've got a bit of an inkling of knowledge and because of company politics, they're in a position that um, they have some power of, of, of a hiring and stuff. Um, yeah, they might be coming out with stuff that you think is not right. Um, but quite frankly, I, I'm, I'm in that kind of suck it up and move on. Um, find the job that is right for you. Find something that you really want to, uh, want to go with. Um, you owe them nothing. Um, go and find the go and find the next bit. I think that you might have something slightly different to say, Nick. Let's break it down. You have good interviews. You have bad interviews. This post made me angry, not at the interviewer. <laughs> I look like I don't know the thing that I want people to take away from interviews is to learn from them. In this situation, this person has clearly had a bad interview from their perspective. Um, they have been interviewed by someone that they think is not qualified. You also don't know their full story. You've stalked them on the internet to find out what their sort of experience in UX was versus understanding you know, what their job roles were and past, you know, uh, past work experience. I, like, I don't know. I, to me, it just seems like a little... Um, Uh, pretentious the point here is that if you do have one of those interviews where maybe there wasn't a communication uh about what exactly that role was in this case they were looking for a designer role but the the company hiring was looking for a researcher role and so you know is that something that you ask as a clarifying question before the the uh interview actually starts that's you know a learning experience there you can that, that's a question that you can ask in the organizing state. Uh, uh, and then, you know, I think there's um, there's ways to handle it in the moment, too. Um, if you're asked a question or if somebody's combative with a, um, <laughs> a statement that you made, you know, that's another way in which you can evaluate the people that you're going to be working with, right? You said it's a two-way street. It is. You're evaluating the people that you're going to be working with. And if somebody's, you know, combative against something that you're saying, or um, maybe it's you, maybe you're not listening to what they're saying. I don't know. I just think there's there's something that you can learn from this. And, um, you know, if that thing is that there are some good interviews and some bad interviews, and that's the thing that you learn, it's the thing that you learn. I don't know. that It's not, it's not, uh, it's not rocket science, I guess. Any other thoughts on that one, Barry? Well, get over yourself. Um, <laughs> All right. Kind of thank you. <laughs> no, not you. Obviously. No, no, no. I know. No. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, last one up here tonight uh, is search engine optimization user research. This is by uh, 
rejuvenates on the user experience of Reddit. I did a redesign for a website. SEO research was involved. I looked at competitors in the area and keywords, ways to improve the homepage experience. I also looked at reviews. How do I display this information on my portfolio next to my design? So is search engine optimization user research, Barry? If so, why is it? And then also, how do you, this is a separate question, how do you sort of um, put that work experience that might not have direct interaction with users but still benefits them into portfolios? So I think it is user research um, because it's all about how you're, you know, fundamentally to be able to use a website effectively, people are going to get there in the first place, right? Um, And so I I do... Um, and have done for a long time, counted it as what, what, uh, one of the fundamental, a pre-step and a post-step um, when when we do this type of work. Um, how do you put it as part of your portfolio? That's a slightly different question, and it's more of a narrative view. It's about how you implement the process, why you implemented the process, um, because fundamentally, you, you know, you're trying to under, put yourself um, into that, um, into your user's mindset before they even get onto your um onto the site that you're designing so it's 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 about context it's it, you know it goes into some of them them intangibles um to, i wouldn't be able to comment i don't think about how to put it into that portfolio piece because from that perspective i've never done it um i've always you know we do it as part of reporting we do it as part of um of that piece um so i wouldn't how to how to showcase it in the best way to show that you could do it um i would be struggling with nick what do you think yes uh, search engine optimization is user research. It's understanding what terms, what um, you know, sort of things are going to be most relevant to people before they even get to the place. Like you said, right? It's it's kind of understanding the user before you even get there. And um, really, it's your it's your best approximation of sort of what that user needs to get to that thing that you're working on, right? And so, if you're looking at competitors. You know, I I just also along the same lines, I'd look at competitive analysis as user research. Um, You are looking at other tools, industry standards that are out there doing similar things to you that, you know, obviously users of those platforms might have thoughts and feelings about, too. And you can find user research everywhere. I think there's, you know, a lot of different places in which you can find user research that a lot of people don't think about. Right. Um, like, I don't know if you're making a product like uh, Google Sheets and you go and, and research an Excel form, you're going to get a lot of the same stuff. Like, th- that's, you know, competitive analysis is totally user research. So when you look at other products and what SEO they're using, totally. Um, now, when you're looking at uh, things like reviews, also, sim- same thing. You're looking at uh, what are some of the key terms that they're using? What are some of the... Um, you know, their thoughts around the product. Don't know. There's not too much information here. But in terms of displaying on a portfolio, now this is a little bit tricky uh, from, you know, like a research perspective or human factors perspective. A lot of times we do job talks in which we talk about a process. You mentioned narrative. It totally is. With a designer, it's a little bit trickier. But I think, you know, throw together a graphic of all the things that went into the search engine optimization. Um, That might be a good place to start. And you can talk through it during your interview. Um, so I don't know, it, it, you know, ultimately, uh, if you came up with a design from search engine optimization or, you know, it somehow played into each other, I think that might be a good way to go. Put it right next to it. I don't know. Uh, any other closing thoughts on that one? 
No, I, I think as you quite rightly say, visualize your process um, and show how things feed in. That's probably the best, certainly in terms of that display. But will be the way I would do it from that from that point. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get into this last part of the show. We like to call one more thing. It's where Barry and I just sit here and talk about one more thing. Barry, what's your one more thing this week? Well, I'm going to go with one more thing because that's what it's called. It's not called two or three things. Um, the I spoke a while ago about the fact that I'm getting an EV. And this was like months ago now. Um, but apparently it's coming next month. And I'm very excited. So excited. I had the car charger installed today. Ooh. And so it's now like a... <laughs> a thing pointing out to the wall on, on the side of my house just teasing me waiting for the um for the car to turn up so it feels like we're making progress so i've got about a month to go and then i don't know we could maybe go on a guided tour of my new car when um as a, as a, as a live experiment or something when, when that'd be fun go. yeah if we could do a live sort of test of um live live on like <laughs> the world. how scary would that be that'd be great so, i love it uh, contrary to popular belief, I am also going to do just one more thing here. Uh, I, I do have a fun story, though. If you are listening and if you want to watch something funny, go watch our pre-show because I talk about uh, a color scheme thing. It's funny. You should go watch it. <laughs> anyway, I have I have something I'd like to talk about today, and it is a chair related thing. So I don't know. Um People who watch the show, again, another visual thing, but people who watch the show might notice I'm a couple inches taller today because I have fixed my chair. Now, my chair before uh, had uh, an issue with um, the gas piston that lifted and lowered. It actually broke off the weld underneath the chair, and so my chair was wobbling from side to side. And so as I was sitting here podcasting with you, Barry, you know, I'd be like, you know, trying to stabilize myself um, with with just my legs and arms and it was bad and it was like that for weeks. Um, and ultimately I ended up bungee cording my chair together. So that way it wobbled less still wobbled. Anyway, didn't realize that, uh, this, this might be completely obvious to some of you, but, uh, chair replacement parts are a thing that you can buy. <laughs> and so, yes. I, so I bought, I bought replacement parts for the under piece and, and made it heavy duty. So that way, uh, it, it will support my heavy booty. And then, um, you know, I also got a, a piston, and the first piston I got was way too tall. Um, in fact, I was sitting uh, probably, you know, if you're if you're looking at uh, the screen right now, I'm in the middle of the screen. It was probably putting my head up here. Nice. Um, my knees were at my keyboard at the lowest setting. It was really bad. So I had to uh -huh. order a replacement part. And I had got these fun wheels um, that are like rollerblade wheels for the chair. I don't know if I have mm -hmm. them. I think I have them. And um yeah, they're like rollerblade wheels for your chair, but these added height to it as well. And so even with the new piston, the shortest piston I can find and those wheels, um, I, you know, I was still looking at my 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 thighs kind of pushing up my keyboard. And so ultimately I had to make my chair stationary uh, by removing the wheels, putting in those little tiny stops. So that way it, uh, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, that's my one more thing this week. Um I'm happy to have a working chair. That's it. Uh, and that's yeah. it for today, everyone. If you like this episode and want to hear Barry and I talk about our AI girlfriends, since we're talking about AI, I'll encourage you to go listen to episode 240, where we talk about how AI might be able to provide companionship for others. Comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For more in-depth discussion, you can join us on our Discord community. You can always visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. 
If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, you can leave us a five-star review. That is free for you to do. You can uh, tell your friends about us. That's also free for you to do. And uh, really helps us grow. And if you want to, consider supporting us on Patreon. Again, 30% of our proceeds this month are going to the Trevor Project. Uh, and as always, links to all of our socials on our, uh, can be found on our website and are in the description of this episode. Mr. Barry Kirby, thank you for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about the trolley problem? If you want to talk about that, you can find me on Twitter and other socials at Baz underscore K. Or come and listen to some of my interviews at 1202 Human Factors Podcast at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on Discord and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time. It depends. Okay. Post show. Wow. Whoa. Internet. How, how bad was it? How bad was it? You were sort of um, at some points. You were really quite chopping out. So when I that, when I wrote, I was like, because there was a bit of flake, but it was it was coming like sort of waves. It was really weird. I've never seen it like that. Normally, you're you're either bad or you're not. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, this kept on dipping in and out. That um, sucks. Yeah. I'll Just do like, my best with the audio. That just means I have a, a long night ahead of me. Or at least you got if you got local backup. That's um, kind of I I started uh, it as soon as you said it, so I'll, I'll okay, have, yeah. you know that much. Okay. I think once I restarted the router, it was fine. But uh, yeah, but no, to be honest, when he said it was, it sort of did it a bit. I mean, it was better, but it still wasn't um, perfect. So anyway, yeah. which out of all the things that we thought we were going to go wrong, given the late and everything, I didn't think that was going to be it. Yeah, uh, I hate I hate it. I hate it. It's so dumb. Um, it's like there's nothing I I can do about it other than reset my router and like well even that I don't know whether that's actually how much is that considering what you're you know how much stress you're going through with your ISP I'm surprised that they haven't been able to do more Um, but there you go Um, what I have liked tonight was the amount of um, interaction we had yeah that was Uh, great so thank Martin, you, Martin. Um, that was great. Yeah, no, it's, um, in fact, one of the comments he picked up on, and I didn't, and, um, when he mentioned it, was that was around that um, interview. The, the the interview about saying about um, if the interview doesn't know the technical detail of your discipline, um, there could be massive opportunity. Now, that's something I didn't pick up on. I was too busy rolling my eyes at the person going, "You need to get over yourself." Um, Same. So, no, that's a great point. I mean, you know, yeah, if uh, yeah, if they do sort of have that um, lack of awareness you can bring that to the table mm. yeah like it's, it could be a bit of a strength counter mm-hmm. <sighs> um oh geez I don't even know right, I'll just I'll just call this as like local two, 248 local gotta save this file Ugh. this is gonna be an editing nightmare mm not looking forward to it i'm pleased that you do production i don't yeah <laughs> that's a that's a way of getting flip shoulders mm-hmm. i nearly said that my um that the car charger on on my wall was was way more phallic and then i did I, I thought we were possibly hitting the boundaries of um good things to have on the uh, on the echo recording itself <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, how 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 phallic are we talking? Well, it's it's properly it's properly horizontal. It's properly erect. What is the so, brand? Can I can I it can is, I? Uh, 
Ome, O H M E, I think it is. Uh, where's my good Um, uh, Ome Pro, O H M E Pro charger. Um, and you need to see the yes, it's got because it's got a um. Maybe am I just looking at the normal version? It doesn't look at all to me like. Oh, are you talking about the 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 actual charging? The, the uh, hand wand, here. the wand. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see. All right. All right. I I, I see you. I see you. Okay. But um, in fact, I need to go back to the people because I think they've only sent me a um, five meter cable, and I'm fairly sure I ordered an eight meter cable. I f yeah, I feel like I, if I show this, I feel like I need to blur it out. Hang on. <laughs> uh, but that's now just sticking out of my wall in a random manner. But, uh, uh, yeah, that is a, uh, that is, that is certainly a charger, uh, cable. But hopefully we'll, um, um, think about this whilst I'm yes no I knew I was right I will have to go and write to them and complain oh that's annoying uh, oh, just yeah. so oh, sorry. I'd, I'd ordered it with a um, an 8 meter cable knowing that it needed to go around places um, like I wasn't entirely sure where I was going to be able to charge it and all that sort of stuff because the because I'm getting the Mustang, then the charging port is nearer the front. Um, and so I wanted something that was going to be all around that. And so I deliberately ordered the 8-meter version and the 7-meter version. But I ordered that in March, and I've only just unpacked it now. And so they might just turn around and say, tough, that's way too late. Hmm. Uh, oh, I might just have to suck it up. and It's now, it's now on the wall. It's now installed, so... Ah, oh, that's irritating. I wonder, actually. Oh, man. How much difference does it make? 563. Mm. Like a hundred pounds difference. Mm. Anyway, right. So that's tomorrow's problem. I get to write some shirty emails. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to find a... Uh trying to find an online pixelator that um allows you to focus an area instead of the whole thing okay <laughs> fair enough uh uh yeah i'm a part Uh, let's see. Maybe this might. Oh, uh, yeah. I think this might actually help here. Let's try this one, and we'll do. Um... <laughs> now you just have to wait for front. Oh well, this is what the post shows for. Um, <laughs> this is this is where I unwind and think about all the work I need to do to fix the stupid. Yeah, there we go. Ah, that might be too much. Hang on, let's let's not leave everything to the imagination. Let's give a little silhouette there. Hang on. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that'll. Huh? Yes. 
you have too much time in your hands. No, I, I, this is the post show, dude. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Let me, let me put it that way. Here, let's, um, let's, uh, this is the post show, so I'm okay with showing this. Let's see. Just can't show anything during the main show, otherwise, um, it doesn't translate well to, uh, or it's just a lot of work for me. Ultimately, that's I'm I'm stopping myself from working. All right, so here's here's the thing, um, and and by thing I mean uh, the 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 EV charger. Yes, yes. Um, that's it. Uh, Barry can confirm. Here, let's put us down here in this corner here. I don't care the pride logos over my face. Yeah, so so we're looking. This is the piece there then that uh, Barry's talking about. See the bracket up to the above right. So what where it's yeah. all around that it fits in there. It fits in there. I just well, so this is the best picture that I could find with the shape, um, because yeah. some of them, you know, it's like taken from head on, so you can see, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I think it does, it does come out of the wall in a very um, yeah, 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 very nature. Um, yes, it does, and I think uh, I think what we'll do here, hang on, just just for comparison's sake, uh, I'm gonna take that away. We're back. Um, we're gonna do one more fun. We're gonna do one more fun, um, just to show it plugged in, because I think I think there's you know there's there's uh, value in showing that uh, as well, and we will do that, and then um, yeah, we can do that. Okay, so then uh, yeah, so we have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I am figuring out windows is what I'm doing. All right, there we go. All right, so here's, here we go. One more, one more try here. Let's go ahead and share the screen one more time. There you go. So on the right there is the new picture. Yes. Um, <laughs> also, also blurred out. You can clearly see it sticking out of the wall there. Um, yes. Then the, the other annoyance with this now that I sort of found out is you, one of the original re reasons for choosing this charger is it's a smart charger. And if you think right back, the first car I was going to get was actually the um, a Kia EV6. And this would plug into that and have an API. It has an API. So actually the charger recognizes the car and goes, ah, this is how far you're charged. And this is, you know, so it would actually communicate with the car and be able to intelligently charge. I then found out today that actually Ford, because I'm getting this Mustang, doesn't have the API released to these guys yet, and therefore it's going to be not as clever as it could be. Which is oh, that's a, a bummer. Bit, a little bit sad. I mean, it's still a it's still a good charger and all that sort of stuff. I mean, um, it still looks great, if you know what I mean. Uh, yes. So now we just want the car to go with it, though, and that's what I'm most excited about, because especially with the price of fuel being what it is. Um, I, I, um, I, I, I want that to be, um, I want that to be electric power, not, um, not messing around with this. Um, there we go. Um, now every time I walk out past, past it, it's just going to tease me until, until the new car comes. Uh, and also what, what a lot of people 
um, are mocking me about as well is because I've never actually sat in this car yet. Um, so I haven't actually test driven this car yet. I'm spending quite a lot of money on it. Um, so that so that rocks as well. You've died again, haven't you? Yeah, thought so. You just can't get the stuff, I tell you. It'll be interesting to see if you actually come back. Oh, what? oh there we go. Dude, you died again. Are you? Yeah, I'm here. Oh. All right. Maybe. Um. So, so here's here's I think. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear. You. Okay, great. Uh, I think I think we're gonna stop just a little early tonight because yeah, my problems have become worse now. Uh, and I I don't think it's worth the time or effort to get upset over it. Yeah. And, that's um, and thank you all for joining us and um we'll be week hopefully with uh every week lesson rock solid connections rock yeah. solid connection that's uh that should be an internet server <laughs> all right everybody well have yourself a good rest of the day and i shall um chat to you next week all right bye everybody bye have a great night bye bye, bye.